Let's talk about the plague of pornography for just a minute. Wow, this is one of the biggest issues that so many deal with in these latter days, but few talk about it or even know how to talk about it. And when they do talk about it, it's usually in a private setting with a leader who is expected to know how to navigate struggles with pornography. Thankfully, Leading Saints has put together a remarkable resource called Liberating Saints. It's a virtual library with 25 plus presentations focused on helping leaders be better prepared to help someone overcome struggles with pornography. We cover topics like how to minimize shame in the bishop's office, how to talk with children about pornography, and even how to talk about female pornography use in Relief Society. If you'd like to review the Liberating Saints library at no cost for 14 days, simply go to leadingsaints.org 14. That's leadingsaints.org 14. While you're at it, we'll give you access to all of our virtual libraries that cover several leadership-related topics. So click the link in the show notes or simply visit leadingsaints.org 14. All right, let's go around the room, do some introductions. I'll start. So my name is Kurt Frankham. I am the executive director of Leading Saints, which is a 501c3 nonprofit organization. And we are dedicated, you know, have a mission here to help Latter-day Saints be better prepared to lead. Now, me personally, I live uh, in Stansbury Park, Utah, which is in Tooele County. I grew up in West Valley City and I've been running Leading Saints really since 2010 when it started out as a hobby blog. 2014 is when the podcast started and now we are over 10 million downloads. And uh, man, we're glad that you are now one of those downloads. Let's jump in. So it's time for another How I Lead segment on the Leading Saints podcast. This is where I talk with everyday leaders and ask them, how is it that you lead? And today I'm with Mike Novakovic. I hope I said your name right. Mike, how are you? Good. I'm fantastic, actually. <laughs> so we just got done recording. Fantastic episode. You talk about blessings in elders quorum, um, how to handle moves in your very transient ward, and then stick around for the last story, folks, because that alone will make, well, it's worth the price of admission. So anything else I missed, Mike? Does that cover the main points we hit? I think so. I think, it, uh, yeah, we talked about doing things a little bit different in an elder's quorum and, yeah. and how they can be effective. And then just give us a rundown of who you are, where you're from, what you do for work, all of that stuff. Uh, uh, my name is Mike Novakovich. I am the elder's quorum president in, in, uh, in a ward in Orem, Utah. And uh, I'm a roofing contractor consultant, been a seminary teacher and an institute teacher for a lot of years. But other than that, used to live in Spokane, right? Used to live in Spokane, Washington, but have, uh, now live in Orem. We're chasing our kids around as they nice. leave with their grandkids. And that's uh, what we have to do to stay with the grandkids. Nice. All right. Well, let's jump into it. Here's my interview with Mike Novakovich. All right, Mike. So you are an elders quorum president in Orem, Utah. I am. Nice, but not originally from Orem. Nope. Originally from Alaska. I love it. Then we moved down to Washington and then a year ago derived in Orem. Nice. And then your last name's uh, Novakovich and um, my good friend, Steve Novakovich, we'll give him a shout out. He's your cousin. <laughs> he is. In, yep. And he's from Alaska too. And uh, so that's, that's cool. I'm, I'm, Touching base with all the Novakoviches, right? You can't escape us. That's yep. right. And I am going to be cruising with another Novakovich uh, this this coming January, which is your sister. But what's her last name has become much more simple. Yeah, it used to be Hillary Novakovich, and now it's Hillary Weeks. That's which, right. You know, in, in the uh, singing industry, it's a lot more advantageous to have a name like Weeks than Novakovich. Right. <laughs> and let me tell you, Hillary Weeks got me through my mission on some tough days when driving around Sacramento and she was like on our approved list of music, right? So we could, we could jam to Hillary weeks, but few others. And she produces some great songs. She does. She does a good job with that. I've heard, I've heard stories like that a lot where people, yeah. you know, her music has influenced people when they've been down. So it's yeah, kind that's of a cool. nice uplifting. Yeah. Yeah. I love genre. it. Yep. So I want to jump in. I mean, there's, there's so much we could talk about with your background and maybe we'll, we'll get to it as we go. But, um, 
just tell the story like, cause you emailed me about how a certain uh, episode of leading saints impacted you and your service as an elders court president. Maybe let's just start there. What's, what's that story? Yeah, I was listening to, you know, obviously when you become and get a calling and, and, and I was sitting there thinking, how can I do it better? And, and, and your podcast, I had a fr- good friend of mine that uh, recommended it. And I started listening to it and flipping through and saw ones on you know, elders quorum, effective elders quorums. And, yeah. And uh, heard some stories that really touched me. And one of them, one of the main ones I heard was the gentleman that had gone on the men's retreat. Yeah. So this episode, I'll just say this is called Is Elders Quorum Working? And we'll link to it in the show notes. And I uh, talk about Elders Quorum at the beginning of the episode, just in general, what we're trying to accomplish, whatnot. And then I, at the end, I have this sort of this panel interview with, with some individuals and that's where the, this individual shared the story, but go ahead. Right. No. And, and then that, and to me, that was, that was really the, the catalyst for you know, making this an interesting episode for me is I heard that story. Uh, he basically was on this men's retreat with eight or nine other gentlemen that weren't in the church that were evangelical Christians and went on a hike together. And one of the members of his group informed the rest of the, the, the guys there that, uh, you know, he just wanted to let them know that he had been laid off that week and was having a hard time. And they then immediately all kind of surrounded him and did what they, you know, had a prayer circle with him and prayed over him. And and uh, this just gentleman that she interviewed mentioned how it was it was touching to him, and it, it was touching to me when I heard it. And thought that's you know how do you how do you implement that you know how do we have a how do you pray over somebody in our church and how do I how do I get someone to do that and I thought wait a second we do do that we, yeah. we give priesthood blessings we yeah. do do laying on of hands I mean we do touch people's heads when and pray over them right. it's just something I didn't did uh, took me a while to put two and two together to yeah. go oh wait we do the same thing right and and for for whatever reason our tradition is just so much more formal and it's almost almost to a detriment of of what we're trying to accomplish where evangelicals, you may walk through the produce and somebody's praying with somebody, you know, that's just how they are, wherever they're at. Let's, let's pray to God. Let's pray over you and, and see how we can help, which is, is inspiring. Cause sometimes we can talk ourselves out of getting, you know, getting a blessing. Oh, I'm fine. I don't need that. And why do I need to call people over my house? And, you know, they got to put on a shirt and tie like, no, let's just pray. And and if you have the priesthood, use the priesthood. Let's do this. Yeah, right? Exactly. Well, yeah. we have that culture, especially with men that, you know, I almost have to have leprosy to, <laughs> to, to, to you know, qualify to have a priesthood blessing. Yeah, isn't that true? And we get left out so much of it. You know, there's something that's heavenly father has given us as a benefit in our lives. And as yeah. men, like I said, we rarely take advantage of it because we're so concerned that it's improper yeah. or it's going to put somebody out. Yeah. And it can also feel like, like we're filing taxes, right? There's like ways to do this, like make sure you say this or that. And, uh, you know, if, if there's anointing involved, well, this is the prayer, right? And it's sort of like, okay, what are the rules here? Like, what do I need to do? It's like, well, and those are important and we need to be familiar with them and, and do that way. But at the same time, our, our purpose is to connect with this person and pray over them and, and bless them so that they can draw on the powers of heaven. And I think uh, exactly to draw the powers of heaven and, and been even more so to feel that love of our heavenly father. I yeah. think it's just a great connection between having that love felt with deity and then also between fellow priesthood members. Yeah. Yeah. So you hear this story on the podcast and you're an illegitimate corn president. So what happens after that? So then I'm thinking, well, wait a second, we do do that. How, how do we, how do we take advantage of this? Cause one, like you said, one of the problems is to get a blessing, you got to call up somebody, then they got to call somebody that then puts on the white shirt and tie and comes over and mm-hmm. you know, where, where's my oil and I, I haven't found it. And then maybe show up and go, well, we, we don't even need to anoint you because you're not dying. You're yeah, just it's not a health you're concern. You're just down right? a little bit. You uh-huh. had a rough week. And so uh, what I thought we would do is an eldest core meeting is um, just take a minute at the beginning of the class and present that to the group. And so I did, I said, you know, I told him a story about the podcast and that, that gentleman is we're, we're going to do those same things. And what we're going to do is we're going to have priesthood blessings here in quorum. And, uh, and you can, if you want to say something like, you know, well, I, I was laid off this week, like this gentleman did, you can share that with everybody, mm-hmm. or you can just come up and say, you need a blessing. You yeah. don't need just to share a tough week. I yep. just need some, some extra strength. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so, so you thought about doing this and then you did it, right? Like, so we, we did it. The, what was the first time? Like, I want to, the uh, first time, I mean, I, there was definitely a lot of raised eyebrows. Okay. I mean, I'm looking around, I'm standing up in the front and you can kind of look around and people are obviously going, you know, LDS people don't like change. And this is something that was very foreign, <laughs> uh-huh. I think to maybe all of them. 
and uh and, and let's set the the scene here so you you meet in the the back of the cultural hall so yes. it's you're in a gym echoey like uh, chairs you know we can all envision the chairs, chairs. Yep. Yep. okay and uh so you as the elder president stand up and say this you know who needs to yeah who, who, who needs a blessing who's this is what we're doing it for if you've had a hard week and 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 who wants a blessing and and there was kind of that silence uh, <laughs> and then that's one thing i thought is uh give them time to process it and um, the first time someone did say, oh, you know what? Yes, I'd like I'd like to have a blessing. And that individual just basically came up and said, you know, it's been I just need a blessing. They didn't feel inclined to share, but they just felt that they could use that extra help. And so they came and and sat down. We had a chair out in front and then I just invited anybody else in the quorum, uh, ministering brothers or anybody that wanted to come up and join in the circle to come up and do that. And I didn't form them because we, we did, we, we offered the blessing and blessing of comfort. And then everybody did the quintessential stand up and start shaking everybody's hand. Like, oh, wait, wait, wait. I forgot to mention one other rule is that uh, <laughs> if that. we participate in this, it's hugs. And nice. so that's what, when I was set apart as elder corn president, the, the stake president in our stake, uh, we did the you know, same thing where we went to shake hands. He's like, no, 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 no. Uh, I, I hug. And nice. so that's what we do is we give uh, uh, president uh, Kapua hugs. It's, it's, it's hugs and proxy. Okay. <laughs> and so that's what we tell everybody is that you're getting a hug and it's a proxy hug from the stake president. Oh, love it. Love it. So, uh, so the first time there's like that awkward silence, somebody says, you know what, I'll, I'll, go, I'll take this opportunity. Yep. Sits down. They, you do the blessing, and then do you offer? Then were there others? Uh, the first few times, no. I mean, that, okay. that, it was that was it, just one. Um, and then as it went on, I felt maybe it was kind of slowing down a little bit. And I don't want to definitely don't want to pressure anybody yeah, to do like, it, but I want on. people to feel comfortable of what's going on. And so uh, this last week. Um, I just mentioned that, you know, as we, as we begin this, just let's take a few seconds, 30 seconds, which is a long time when you're standing in front of everybody that let's just take 30 seconds and everybody kind of reflect on how their week was. Did anybody have a rough week? Did anybody ask for extra help from our heavenly father? And if you have, maybe this is an answer to your prayers. Mm -hmm. And, uh, we did. We had one of the brothers come up and this brother decided this time that he was going to share some of the things that he was going through and you know, just the frustrations and things that got him down. And yeah. And so let me ask about this part. I like to get the mechanics of these things. So people are, you know, if they do want to do something like this, they don't get lost or, or are afraid because they don't know what to say. So yeah, you do the invitation. If it, someone raises their hand, come up and then you say, is there anything you'd like to share with us or, or what no, do you say? I don't, I don't, they just okay. come up and, and, and uh, when we first started, I'd mentioned that, that they can share it. If you know, somebody say, maybe somebody's laid off and part of that blessing would be, you know, you're in a group of, I was thinking there's about 50 people in our quorum mm -hmm. that are there in attendance. And so maybe somebody knows somebody that Gotcha. Can help out yeah. with something that they're going through, whatever it is. And so I mentioned that they can mention it. They don't have to mention it. Um, okay. It, it's completely up to them. And so, so this, yeah. in this circumstance I had mentioned beforehand, you know, if anybody's had a rough week or whatnot, didn't say anything about sharing. Okay. But the first individual decided to share. Okay. And so he did. He, he shared some of the rough things that he was going through. And so he sat down and. And uh, once we ask who wants to come up and various members, and that's never a problem. It's, 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 it's fun how many men jump up to come yeah. participate with that. And so he did, he, he gave his blessing and then somebody else after that happened, uh, somebody else came up and that one did the same thing. They shared what they were going through and, and you could feel the spirit come into the room. I mean, it was, it was a spiritual experience and then maybe there was a few tears flowing. Yeah. But, uh, and I think there was empathy for the, what some of the stuff that these guys are going through, but it's just kind of gave uh, validation to what you always say that we, there are people as men that we do have, we need help. Yeah. We never want to admit it, but we do. And yeah. so he did, he sat down and we gave him a blessing and it went really well. And, and we're in a ward that has an apartment complex. And so that week we had, I think three or four, four new families move in. They're young couples in this apartment complex. And so they were in quorum, uh, all brand new. It was the first, first week there. Their, their name is records were read into the, in the second meeting an hour before. And uh, so one of, one of those gentlemen got up and he came, instead of standing in front of everybody, he kind of sat down in the chair and mentioned that, that uh, some of the things that he was going through and, and just emotionally and, and being in a new area and, and, and maybe a lack of friends and just a heartfelt uh, expression of what he was going through. Yeah. And I love the fact that this is his first 
Elders Quorum attendance in this new ward, and he's yep. willing to step and, up and, and he's got the guts real. to stand up in yeah. front of everybody and be vulnerable. I mean, it's very vulnerable to that. You know, you mm-hmm. want to you want to walk in and announce that you've got it going on. I mean, that you know, hey, I might be the next state president. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> something that I, I have life figured out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's what we all want. And for him to come in and be vulnerable like that as a new member in, in Elders Quorum, but I think the example of the other two really set that stage. So I was grateful for them to to also be vulnerable you know, yeah. allowed him to be vulnerable and so uh he sat down and i and i was standing behind him as he's telling a little bit what was going on and uh so when he got done I, and then like i could always do invited other members of the quorum to come up and assist if they wanted to and the thing that was just unbelievable to me it was very humbling and uh spiritual experience was that the three other uh two or three other uh, the three other men that were new in the ward, all sitting in different spots, all jumped up hmm. to come participate. So not only did this young man, you know, step out on a limb in a new ward, but the three new uh, brothers in our ward they did too. They jumped right up and and uh, participated in the, this blessing, being brand new once again. Yeah, remember the thought that I had as they came up was, "But man, I, I wish I would have been like that when I was in my early twenties." I mean, yeah. I've been the ones that they're going. Uh, they don't want me up there. Or they, you know, this I'm, it's brand new. I mean, I just, I not me. I can't do it. <laughs> yeah, and sure. they, they didn't even hesitate. I mean, there was wasn't like there was discussion between them. They just jumped right up and came in and uh, helped in the blessing of this this young brother. And and then the, the neatest thing I thought was after we got out of quorum, uh, after the meeting was over, I walked down the hallway and there was this brother who'd gotten the blessing and he was surrounded by those same men. And as I walked back, I could hear him talking about making plans for dinner and doing things together. Oh, and so not only did wow. he have that blessing from on high using the priesthood, but an opportunity for, I mean, he had immediately three new friends yeah. because of it. And so it was just, you know, there was a solution to lots of problems on lots of different levels, not problems, but just, you know, life struggles. Yeah. And something yeah. that he didn't have to wait to continue to ask Heavenly Father for help, maybe finding friends or finding support that he had it immediately. Yeah. Like yeah. I said, not only from on high, but from his fellow core members. Yeah. So I, this is like, so like, I just want to just sit with this for a minute because there's, I've been in so many, uh, you know, elders quorums where there's this feeling, there's always this feeling of like, how do we, how do we get to know each other? How do we unify as a quorum? And, you know, and there may even be settings where the elders quorum presence sort of opens that up for discussion. And it seems like <laughs> we've got one idea in the bag and it's, well, maybe we should have a pizza party, right? And bless your heart. I mean, this is an idea that we've been doing for years and years and we do the pizza party, but it's still very shallow, you know, superficial. It's just doesn't reach the depths of the hurt and the pain that maybe some men are experiencing. And, yeah. and, uh, somebody, um, Somebody emailed me this past Sunday um, and said, hey, what's that quote? I want to share it in my elders quorum uh, lesson about, you know, men and quiet desperation. Like you, you, what, what he, he was asking as if it was my quote. I'm like, oh, no, that's uh, that's David. That's a. Uh, Henry David Thoreau, uh, the the men lead lives of quiet desperation, yep. right? And that is so true in elders quorum. And so just creating this space, this container, and again, you're not forcing anybody like, all right, whose turn is it for a blessing this week, right? But you're creating that space. And as it gets going, that's the hardest part, right? It's just the momentum. And, uh, and then you have these experiences where, I mean, elders quorum presence would give their right arm to have men stand in the in the hallway and formulate plans together yeah. right and this simple tactic was able to simulate that so it's so powerful so good well it's taken the tools that the church has given us and maybe we've forgotten how to use mm-hmm. implementing those and then when I mean, you get back to the self-reliance thing i mean i, I can't go and make somebody be friends with somebody else right. but i can create an atmosphere through tools the church yeah. has given me to facilitate that yeah uh, I think a lot of times we're scared off that it's not something that we've ever seen before. And so we don't want to put our own take on things. And I'll admit, I mean, I, as we've done this, I've looked around the corner. There's been those that you look at and can see a raised eyebrow. Yeah. So I was going to ask you about this. Like there is this resistance, right? Because you're in Orm, Utah, a very established area, decades, a century of, of tradition as far as how we do things. Right. And so what type of resistance have you got? What does that look like? Um, I wouldn't say it was resistance, but okay. you can see that, you know, I would say if it was resistance, it would be just, okay, well, I'm not going to participate in this. Right. But uh, I mean, there's, like I said, just the raised eyebrows or the, you know, the, the ones that were just kind of doing the, 
uh, well, what are we doing? Yeah. Why, why are we doing this? Let's just get to you the know, lesson. Let's right? get yeah. back to the, let's get to the lesson. And, and, and this person does not have leprosy. Why yeah. are we giving a blessing to this person? Uh-huh. But uh, I would say generally though, it's, it's surprised me how well it's, it's been Good. accepted. Yeah. And so, and, I, and, and it's happened quickly because uh, like I said, there's been a spirit in the room. It's not awkward. Yeah. There's nothing that happens that would make anybody feel like, okay, this shouldn't be going on. Right. It's a, it's very, very spiritual. And those, I think that would raise their eyebrows would quickly have to admit that there is a spirit in the room. And if the spirit's testifying that this is a good thing, then it's hard for me to throw that out there that maybe it's not. And, the, yeah. and not that you think it's a bad thing. It's just different. Yeah. Anyway, when they have different in the church, especially in church structured type environments, um, you know, it makes us feel uncomfortable. Right. Right. Yeah. So, um, and this goes back to, you mentioned it sort of offline in our conversations, but I, a great mentor of my top of mine taught me early on that never let an elder quorum class become another Sunday school class. Uh, talked about, I mean, this is a part of that effort, right? That is. And that's, that's what I, when, when I first was placed in there, it's what I told everybody, you know, this, this is not going to be Sunday school 2.0. This yeah. is going to be different. I mean, I, I really took that statement to heart that, if uh, I don't remember exactly what it was, but basically somebody said, you know, if, if we did away with, you know, church continued to did away, do away with something, and it was elders quorum where it's like, oh, uh, we're doing away with that. And would anybody go, oh, no, oh, well, yeah, no, no, what? I don't want that <laughs> right. to happen. And, and I, it's like, okay, well, as a leader, well, then I'm the one that needs to facilitate that. My, yeah. you know, and I have a fantastic presidency that just doesn't question anything I do. They just, you know, raise their eyebrow first and say, well, now what are you doing? And uh-huh. I've seen it that take place. It's, it's, it's been a testimony to them, but it, yeah, it's just, I, I'm the one that needs to facilitate those things mm-hmm. and, and doing things with my flavor. Um, you know, we talked earlier about, you know, it's kind of came to me as, as uh, I was in my younger years working on a car and uh, underneath it and had to get a, a nut off of this bolt and it would not come off. It was just frozen to this, this car. And so I got a crescent or a uh, socket set on it and just couldn't budge it. So I sprayed some lubricant on it and just nothing would happen. And so then crescent wrench and vice grips and then putting a pole on the end of a socket set so I could stand outside the car and ended up to bend this industrial strength socket wrench that I had. Oh my goodness. So then finally I'm underneath the car with a hammer out of more frustration than an effectiveness beating this nut with a hammer as hard as I could. And uh, had a member of my ward come up and say, what are you, what are you doing underneath there? And and obviously it was obvious because I was beating things. And, <laughs> and uh, I said, try to get this nut off of the, I can't get a nut off. And he said, with a hammer? And I was like, well, that's, that, that's what I'm doing. And yeah. he said, you know what? Go grab another hammer. And I thought, I don't, I don't know what you're going to plan with this, but I like where you're going. You know, yeah. if one hammer, I can, uh, yeah, I'll beat it with two hammers. That'll help my anxiety <laughs> levels. And, and so I got back underneath this car with these two hammers. He said, now strike the nut on opposite sides, not forcefully, but just, just strike them as best you can underneath the car. And so I did, I, I hit them on, hit this nut on opposite sides and just did it for um, 30 seconds to a minute. I, you know, I kept saying to him, we know, is this good? He's like, no, just keep, keep striking it. And unbeknownst to me, cause I'm not a physics expert, but those vibrations, the harmonics that we're creating in there, loose and whatever was holding this nut. And after about a minute I reached up and the nut was loose and wow, quite, I mean, almost came off with my, just my fingers. Yeah. And here I'd spent literally an hour with every contraption I could think of beating this. And, and it struck me that our church service is like that. You know, the Lord has a goal for us. Say it's ministering. And we have the church that provides a tool and that's maybe a hammer, probably a, a wrong metaphor the, for things that you do at the church. Is the, the, hammer. Mini, the ministering hammer, right? Or the handbook hammer or whatever it is. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's the handbook. It's the, it's the way that's always been done and how you minister and whatnot. And, and so I think as leaders that uh, not to ruffle any feathers, we take that hammer and we start beating that nut of, okay, yeah. here's, here's what the Lord's goal is we want to do. And, and maybe we get frustrated because things aren't happening. And I think I've always <laughs> kind of seen home teaching is like that. that I think there's a few elders quorum presence out there that, that, that would describe their quorum as a nut that won't budge. Right. <laughs> I'm just, exactly. That is a great metaphor because that's what it feels like is yeah. that, you know, how, this is what the Lord wants yeah. and, wh- and why, why aren't they budging? And, and I, as the leader, we've had, 
handed you the hammer. So go at it. Right. Yeah. And we just start and just if, like you were. If one strike isn't enough, hit them three or four times and then do it even harder. And, <laughs> and you know, mix some frustration in there and throw out some guilt on this nut. And, but uh, I realized that that other hammer that I went and got is basically, in, you know, as far as church service go, well, any leadership position, because I've applied it to other leadership positions that I've had, is that the one hammer is, is the tools that we've been given by the church. And that other hammer are our talents. Maybe mm-hmm. our gifts of the spirit, mm-hmm. the things that set us apart individually. What flavor can I bring to this? And when you use both those things, I think we, we you quickly find that uh, that goal is accomplished a lot easier when we include ourselves in it. And you know, we don't just have an assignment from the Lord and then how you do it from the church. And you know, that's just the one hammer, but we can add in, our take on it, what our, our personal talents are. And I, 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 I talk yeah. a lot about the gifts of the spirit that we each have those that we have something that we're, each one of us is really, really talented at. And I think that's why the Lord calls us is not to be the church's hammer, but to be the other hammer yeah. that you mix in, uh, you know, uh, administrative type things that the church wants you to do but it doesn't mean that you can't put your flavor on. Right. Right. And and I want to reflect that back to this experience and this tactic and tool, which I think is a great sound principle. And, and, but that doesn't mean every elders quorum should do it this way and that they're going to get the same results or whatever, but to you've looked at this and said, okay, I want to somehow create this dynamic where we're praying for each other, that we're blessing each other in the context of the quorum. So I'm going to try some things, but another elders quorum president may, want to do the same thing, but it may look different on the Sunday. Right. And that's okay. And I, th- I think that's where we need to look and reflect. And, and and most importantly, I think we each need to know what our gift of the spirit is. You know, if, if we can't immediately say, because we know that we all have at least one. Mm-hmm. And if you can't immediately identify that, then something I think we're, especially as leaders, that you go and find out what that is and then use that. Right. You know, maybe my gift of the spirit is different from another eldest court president. So you don't need to go and do copy what I'm doing because it might not be effective for you. Yeah. That you go and go, okay, where, where am I, where's my gift at? Yeah. And not be afraid to use that. Yeah. To say, here's, here's how I'm going to, because I think the Lord most of the time, once the, the goal accomplished is not necessarily in a certain way. Uh, he's given us each our free agency and our talents. And I think that's how we increase those talents. And scriptures talk a lot about talents. And I think that's how we do that is to look at it and go, okay, here's one tool I've been given by the church. Now, what do I bring personally to the equation? Any, anything else with this, uh, this blessing effort that you, that you do that we haven't touched on or, um, that would be worth mentioning or did we cover it quite well? And it's something that, you know, I'd like to say that I didn't, or that I would, that I, uh, you know, it immediately came to mind, but it was, you know, a couple hours of pondering and okay, how do I, how do I do a, a prayer circle or how do I do that? Yeah. Praying over somebody like the evangelicals. I mean, I would, I wish I would have immediately jumped right to, well, a priesthood blessing is, <laughs> yeah, it yeah. seems obvious, doesn't it? And, uh-huh. you know, okay, laying hands on somebody, and, and, but it didn't. I mean, it took me a while to measure, you know, because I was thinking that, okay, maybe we go on a hike and I'm, I'm trying to copy it exactly. <laughs> let's, let's get everybody on a hike and then we get, then somebody can, you know, say something that's wrong in their life. And then we can just literally just all put our hands on them and say uh-huh. a prayer. And, uh-huh. and so I was trying to, you know, you talk about then raising eyebrows, you're changing <laughs> things up, but it yeah. just then hit me that, Okay, we've got the priesthood. We seldom use it. Um, and what a fantastic opportunity yeah. to be able to use our priesthood. And then uh, caveat with that. Um, what it, the, the fringe benefit of it is, is when the, the brethren or when the, when the elders and high priests in our quorum see this going on, it might be a refresher course on how to give a blessing. Oh, yeah. And so, because we've had that, we, we, one of the things that we've changed to is not having lessons, but we can maybe talk about that later. Yeah. But, but uh, when I say that, one of the lessons turned into, how do you give a blessing? What do you say? But in getting up there and doing this, and we mentioned that, that, okay, here's the, you do the exact same thing for a father's blessing. And when's the last time you did that sort of thing? And then in them seeing it on a, uh, every other week in quorum, I think it gives, empowers them to say, it's not that hard. And that I can use my priesthood and feel the spirit of doing so. And so hopefully it's not just blessing these brothers in quorum. It's that they're going to take that to their wives, to their children, to the people they minister to and say, no, this is a common thing and I'm not afraid of doing it. Yeah. Love it. Um, 
And then, so how long have you been doing this at this point? Uh, a few months. Okay. So that was super long. Okay. Yeah. So now every other week in Elders Quorum, it's just like everybody's expecting it. You know, President Novakovic is going to get up there and say, all right, how, how and then you sort of give him a buffer, think for 30 seconds or so. How'd your week go? What, what do you need? And then we do. Yeah. It's something that that's what I thought was important. I don't want to do anything that we do it for two or three times and then it just kind of goes away. We go back to what we were doing before. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it has that things that I've changed is we've done that where it's like, okay, we're gonna give some time to think beforehand. It's so, yeah. stand up and say, it's blessing time. Who wants a blessing? Yeah. But, uh, having just a little bit of 30 seconds of introspection and quiet to go, how was my week? Did I have anything that frustrated me and that I would need help from heavenly father with? Nice. So most, I think at, yeah, most elders quorums are 40, 50 minutes long. Generally, what, how long, much does this take? How much time does it take up in, in that time? It's been anywhere from five minutes to we've gone 25 minutes. Wow. Okay. You know, as, as they've gotten up and, and talked. And like I said, it's, they're never asked to uh, say anything if they don't want to. They just yeah. come up and get a blessing with it. They can just sit down and say, I'd like a, a blessing of comfort and that's it. Or, yeah. But uh, a lot of them have decided that they would like to share yeah. And it's not like it's turned into a confessional by any means, or it hasn't turned into a, to a addiction recovery type, you know, I know I'm a sinner or I know I'm to have this problem. It's just expressing, here's what I'm going through. And I yeah. think it gives license to everybody else in the quorum to go, I'm not alone. You know, this person is talking about things that I would never say, but he's talking about yeah. them. And man, I'm not alone in this. And I think that's happened where it's like, okay, well then, you know, two weeks from now, I'm going to get up and do that because I felt that spirit and I need that help. Yeah, because it can feel sometimes you're on an island that you're the only one suffering in this way or you're not understood amongst this group of men. And and so this really uh, changes that dynamic. Um, and well, uh, that's another thing you sort of mentioned there, but do you get people who are quite vulnerable? And we have this dynamic people bring up like the overshare, which... I would challenge our faith community to get rid of this concept of oversharing. Like that's, that's not a thing and it's not bad. It, and I, anybody who disagrees, I'd love to get that your email, but what do you get people who open up and just say, Hey, I'm uh, really struggling with pornography this week. And uh, we have never had it where it's turned into a confessional uh -huh. where, where there's things like that. Um, but people have definitely expressed, expressed vulnerability. Yeah. Um, and it, but it's never once gotten out of hand where it's like, oh my gosh, okay, I need to cut this person off. Yeah, sure. Um, it, it's just, they're expressing their hearts. I mean, I think it's the first time for a lot of them that they've been able to say, you know, cause I think for the most part, um, you know, the, any problems we have in life just stem to start with from feeling alone, feeling vulnerable. And then we end up maybe going farther down the line with certain things to try and fix that. Um, but, you know, not having friends or feeling alone or feeling maybe a little bit of depression, you know, we kind of almost kind of headed off at the past where if we can stop that now, then it won't lead to other things. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. All right. Well, if, if Mike hasn't uh, raised your eyebrows yet, we're going to, we're going to get into some real <laughs> radical things. He's doing. <laughs> I love it. Uh, and this, uh, everything about just your approach is you're trying different things and you're, you're pushing the boundaries a little bit, which it, I, I would say every, every uh, ward needs to some extent. I mean, I think that's just how we grow and develop and find better ways. So uh, how do you, outside of the, the blessings that you offer in Elder Quorum, how do you handle the the lesson and whatnot? Uh, lesson has uh, once again uh, it was uh, you know from your podcast not turned into Sunday school, and so uh, we've actually released our elders quorum instructors, and we don't have instructors, and we never have a lesson planned, and so we sounds like a disaster waiting to happen, Mike. What's going does. on? And and, and, <laughs> and I've been worried a few times. Yeah, but you go okay. Well, and, and I'll caveat that once again. You know, we talked about this isn't for everybody. Um, you know, I've taught seminary and institute so for a lot of years, uh -huh. and so you know, worst case scenario, I know that I can. Yeah, you can fill 20, 30 something. minutes. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, I, I can grab a sub subject and 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 drag it out and and whatnot. But. Uh, and not having a lesson and just having a core meeting and having discussions and talking about things. And, and, I'll, and I'll say that I do have ideas of things that, you know, we could bring up. Um, but like with the, when we first did with the blessings, um, we, we gave the blessings and it was short and sweet and then ended up with a 25 minute discussion after the blessing 
the very first one of, you know, somebody raised their hand. So well, I don't know what things to say during a blessing. I don't mm-hmm. know if somebody calls me and sick and I, and we do that. Do I heal them? Do I yeah. talk about a great not? question to come it, up in it, elders quorum? It is. Well, it's real right? questions. It's like, yeah, I don't need a lesson on repentance for the 75th time in my career, but I do need help on what do I say when I give a blessing? Yeah. Um, and, and then the questions were, okay, when, when do we anoint? When do we not anoint? Do I anoint for a father's blessing? Do I anoint for a blessing of comfort? If somebody has been anointed uh, for going into the hospital and two days later, they want another blessing. Do we re-anoint for that? It just mm-hmm. opened up real life questions where it's, okay, this is real learning where these are things that I, that they really need. Yeah. Yeah, we've given everybody this Ferrari of priesthood power, but nobody's shown me how to get in, turn the key, and actually drive this thing. You yeah. know? And so, what a great place to to do that. Yeah, it, it, little things. You're like, yeah, what do I do? I who, who knows where their oil, consecrated oil is, and who knows how to consecrate oil, uh-huh. and uh, things that you just take for granted that well, everybody knows, but um, yeah, yeah, you, you don't. I mean, we had we in our ward, we we don't have a lot of ironic priesthood in our ward. And so it's been placed on the elders' quorum that we need to every single week. We're blessing, preparing, and uh, passing the sacrament. And so you know, at the first you go up there, and it looked like the Keystone Cops in the back of the chapel. <laughs> the first few times, I thought, oh, oh no, we better talk about passing the sacrament. And, and uh, so we had a half-hour discussion: who stands where, and how high do you have the sacrament tray, and and uh, yeah. where do you stand? And so it always the things that you just take for granted. Yeah turn into teaching experiences. Yeah, so we never prepare a lesson, but it's almost allowed the spirit more to yeah. have us bring up things that people yeah. want to know. And so how would you coach someone in, in doing that? Like, okay, they did the blessing or maybe they don't, whatever, but they're starting. And, and I, I, I do want to call spade a spade. The handbook does mention that the general conference talk should be taught as a lesson and okay we, we realize that what's in right. it your your approach here is maybe a little different but it's been done uh your your bishop's aware your stake presence i mean it's you're not some rogue totally here but i do want to mention that as people are screaming at their podcast uh, you know players like but, but, but wait anyway so we get it we're just talking this through so to just have a discussion without planning a lesson without having an instructor who's thought through maybe a conference talk or lesson plan like how would you coach someone on starting a discussion in an elder quorum setting? Um, I, I think it goes right to that. I mean, you can go to a few conference talks and go through there and go, okay, yeah. Th- don't just read it, but go through and, and say, well, what questions would I have? Yeah. You know, yeah. If, if somebody, so you theoretically you are, you can go through a conference talk, but right. I, I would have those in the back of your mind of, okay, what's some, what are some questions that aren't just the quintessential church answers that right. we give that make people think. Yeah. And, and, and so then you are basically teaching a conference talk. Right. And here's the thing I'll add uh, here is that we often, we feel like we have such a tradition of a structured lesson and, and uh, a lesson plan that we sort of feel like we have to use the conference talk as a lesson plan. When in reality, we're turning the conference talk to perpetuate the doctrines that were discussed there, perpetuate that discussion in the context of Elder Quorum. So you could have someone review the whole conference talk and come up with one question and say, I just want to kick us off with this question. Elder Ruchdorf talked about this concept. I just thought like, here's a question. What do you think? Right. And I think where we fall into trap is when we're like sharing his aviation story again that was really funny and then it's just it's not even close to funny and you know right. or we're like oh he told this story about this widow and we're retelling the story like don't do that like just focus what's the doctrine there bring it in Naylor's quorum and let's have a discussion around that doctrine and we may not even read a quote from the conference talk right right and it could but it could still be along those same yeah lines right you know so it's not like we're teaching things that are just outlandish or right, right. Know, hey, okay now who knows where the 11 lost tribes are <laughs> you know we're, we're not doing any of that but you could go through any of these conference talks and, and that's kind of one of the things i realized as a, as a seminary institute teacher is that um if you're familiar with a talk you can almost get any subject out of it that's gospel related. And so, you know, you can, if you wanted to, and if you feel uncomfortable, just being so so spontaneous to go through and read a conference talk and, and, and lead your discussion around that. And all of a sudden somebody asks you a question and your answer can be, well, in this conference talk, yeah, here's an answer to that question. Yeah. So we're not out, you know, 
being outlandish. I'm, I'm sure if you you could be a pick a conference talk and you could go through and say, well, here's our discussion. Somebody on the outside would go, oh, well, no, yeah, that's that's related to that talk. Right. Yeah. And, and it's one of those like feeling comfortable. And maybe this is why, you know, having a formal instructors can sometimes be limiting because that instructor feels like, well, I want to make sure I get through sort of the general concepts I wanted to discuss. Or if an elders quorum takes a left turn and and goes down sort of the, a, a wormhole about this a specific doctrine and there's some good questions, dialogue going back and forth, like feel comfortable with going that way, knowing that, oh, we're probably not going to come back to that last closing statement that was just a, a ringer, you know, like. Right. But that's okay. Like lean into that because we're a quorum and this isn't Sunday school 2.0, right? Like you're, you're, it's, it feels a little uncomfortable, but it's good. Like good stuff comes from that. Right. And it does. And it allows for a lot more participation. And then yeah. without the instructor, there's not, like you said, there's not an agenda we need to get to. Cause I know I felt that way. If I prepared yeah. a lesson for 40 minutes, which I needed to do, if that was the time I had allotted to me, uh, I kind of want to get through it. I mean, right. I, I prepared all that, but this way, uh, you can take just one simple aspect of a gospel topic and even from a conference talk or especially from a conference talk and, and dwell on that and open that up and have personal experiences yeah. shared. Yeah, that's awesome. But it just allows, you know, I think the biggest thing is it once again, it creates a brotherhood. It creates that quorum feeling because everybody feels like they have a voice and everybody's participating and sharing as opposed to one person feel the obligation that they need to instruct everybody. Right. Right. So, um, so without a, a, an official instructor, are are you or when your counselors facilitating the discussion? I mean, is there sort of a point man at the the room that's pointing out hands or whatnot, or how does that work? It, it is. Yep. When the when the presidency is always up front. Okay. Um, you take turns facilitating like it. Like Brother Jones, it's you this week. You kick it off. Let's right. go. Yep. Okay. Yep. So nice. Yeah, and the, and like I said, I have a slight advantage because I've taught a lot oh yeah, yeah and that's that's about the main calling i've had is a church calling is teaching gospel doctrine or right whatnot and so i have a little bit of an advantage that way and so you know i have a few in the a couple of presidents say well yeah you, i don't mind but if you'd be right there just to because it, you know, it could be daunting to say, okay, right. I've got 45, 50 minutes and I'm not preparing any. Yeah. Or after 10, I, you probably, they look at you like I'm out of, I'm out of content here. I don't know what else to yeah. do. Right. And I would say the biggest thing would be once again, turn back to the, you know, like a review on Converse talk, have two or three topics that you yeah. could bring up that you go, okay. Um, yeah. You know, here's what we do in the church. How do you do this? Or, right. or here's a question from the scriptures and, and bless our lives, but bless others to kind of delve in a little bit more to ask questions. You know, I ask a lot of why questions. Yeah. You know, you get the little short scripture where Jesus wept. Okay. Well, let's have a discussion about why. You yeah. know, something as simple as that, you know, it's like you read the scripture and it's like, okay, let's move on. But right. You can take something simple and ask the why question. Why was this taking yeah. place? Yeah. And there's power in, I've noticed just, you know, and I have a lot of teaching experience as well, but like being like, maybe you come across a concept of Jesus web or something like, all right, let's take five minutes. Why don't you go to your scriptures and l let's look for concepts of, of weeping or, you know, whatever answer doctrinal principle here. Right. And let's see what we come up with. So let's uh, do that or split up into groups. For some reason, our, our community is so resistant to like, let's pair up, talk to your neighbor, but like all the science and research shows that will stimulate learning and yep. it will increase retention when they're like suddenly engaged to, cause we are creatures to be, to act, not to be acted upon. Right. So when we invite the class to do something like, okay, we're going to take 10 minutes, you go to the scriptures and just, you know, wander through the topical guide or look at your tags or whatever it is. And let's come back together and then continue our discussion. Right. And, yeah. and so if it falls flat like that, you can always go to those types of things of saying, you know, let's, let's uh, regroup in just a minute or let's pair off. And you, you, this group talk about this and, and really there's all sorts of things you can do that way. Right. Well, and there's, there's just exactly, I mean, and not just gospel topics, topics, but just things that the quorum needs to be aware of. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, we've, we've, we have, like I mentioned, an apartment complex in our ward. And uh, one of the things that happens because of that is we have a lot of move-ins and move-outs. And so we have, you know, the, the moving company, the Elders Quorum Moving Company. Yeah. And so we've had that. That's what discussion we've had in Quorum. You know, how, how yeah, do we handle this? And so it's, if we have a, you know, if we want to call it a lesson, it's, it's no more than 10, 15 minutes. Yeah. And then we're just bringing up, okay. Here's what's going on in the quorum. Um, we've brought up things like uh, we've had an older couple that needed some extra help. And so 
you know, we talked about in quorum of ideas the way we can help. We, we talk about specifics on things and and you know, even to the fact that we said once again different things with an older couple they needed a little bit extra ministering and so i assigned three different ministering companionships to that was their family yeah they had th- triple team triple team <laughs> yeah so I, I don't hold those hard and fast rules of well one family per one yeah you know, yeah one set of it yeah. holders, And I love this concept of like bringing just like the mechanics of elders quorum into elders quorum being like, okay, like what does it feel like when you get an email or text and say, Hey, the Joneses are moving. We could use some help. Like, how can we do this better? Should we be a, a moving organization? Should we not be like, I want to be heard and for, for someone who's maybe not in the presidency or doesn't attend ward council to feel like I've got a seat at the table with how this quorum functions. Like I want to come back, you know? Well, and that's been a big one for me. I mean, I, cause I, I recognize the sacredness of a Saturday for yeah, somebody. They've yeah. worked all week. Their Sundays are taken with church. And so Saturday's a sacred day. And, and I, I want to get to my yard, right? Yeah. I got that project. It's the right? only day I have yeah. and in our ward, literally every single Saturday we have somebody moving. Mm-hmm. And so for me to have expectations on the quorum that, oh, here we go again. I mean, 52 times a week or a year, I'm, I'm sending out an email that says, okay, you know, so-and-so's need help moving. Let's come load this U-Haul. And then, and I've, I've, I've pondered over that. I just, I don't feel comfortable asking the elders to do that. So that's when, again, why we had a discussion of that sort of thing in, in, a, in our elders quorum. Yeah. Love and it. then a lot of that, once again, you'd start doing things like that and thinking outside of the box. And a lot of it comes back to church principles. And in that case, I'm going, how do we avoid this? Mm-hmm. And you, I mean, you can't, you can't just say, okay, well, no, we're not moving anybody. Sorry. But to expect it to happen is also almost the same. Right. Harshness. Right. And so what's come about for me is in our discussions with ministering is we've had those discussions in quorum that this falls into self-reliance that yes, our eldest quorum is going to help move, but it's not the eldest quorum presidency that's going to facilitate this. Mm-hmm. This is why you go minister especially, you know, for those that might think they need to move in the next year, um, go out there and make friends with those that you minister to your ministering companion. And so then when you need help moving, you're just calling everybody up because you're self-reliant and you don't need to call the elders quorum presidency yeah. to put that out to everybody. You have your group of guys that are going to got your back. Yep. Yeah. Love so it. Once again, you know, accomplishes it. We have a, a, a quorum meeting where we talk about reality and then it, it uh, removes some of the pressure from the presidency and, and the whole quorum. Right. Yeah. Uh, responsibility. yeah and, and the other topics, like, I mean, whatever applies to your elders quorum, right. Or even how ministering is, is like organized and whatnot. We, we sometimes put that burden completely on the elders quorum presidency and, you know, have a discussion of, you know, if there's someone you want to minister to, let us know. And I know you've done a lot of that, that to really, stimulate ministering is well that's you know that's what that was a big thing too that we stepped in and said okay how do we do this different and um i had the opportunity when i when anybody has requested lately that they need to have help moving that i've and we're not leaving them high and dry i know that it's it's i'm new in there this the process is new and so we're not saying oh you're on your own sorry no we're still facilitating that as we get as we build it up but so in, in in that on that realm if they need help moving, I have them come to my house and we'd have a little interview about it. You know, we're talking about a little bit about moving, but I call it my exit interview for those that are leaving the ward and, you know, just discuss, you know, okay, well, here's what you need for help moving. Okay. Yeah. 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 But now let's have an interview and just talk about life and whatnot. And one of those things we talk about is ministering. And I've had three lately that I, I had talking to them and, and I said, you know, in, in one word, how would you describe your ministering experience? Or describe ministering how it is for you personally uh-huh. and all three of them said the exact same one word which you know gave me pause but they all three said guilt oh so that's you know these these young married couples that's what this young elder starting off with is his priesthood experience is associated with guilt oh man and so that's where i thought once again this is up to me to make these changes yeah and so that's Shift one of the things that we, culture right yeah and what, what do i do and uh and so we have, we, we spend a whole elders quorum meeting talking about ministering and, and we passed out a little booklet and they wrote down in the booklet, who do you want to minister to? Um, who do you want to minister to you? Who do you want to be your companion? 
And how do you want to minister? What what talents do you feel? And and it was, and, I, and then I suddenly realized, you know, if I was going to do it one week and then I delayed that because I thought, okay, well, maybe a lot of people don't know a name. You know, they can't say, well, I want brother so-and-so to be my companion because they don't know anybody. Yeah. And then once again, there's, you know, I, I'm placing guilt on them. So I had to, I backed it up even farther, put it off and delayed it, a, a priesthood meeting and said, okay, well, what I, what we're going to do instead of, if you have a name, fantastic. If not, write down conceptually, you know, who, what would you want your companion to be? Yeah. Could, do you want them to be a mentor type? Do you want them to be more of a friend type? Do you want someone that's outgoing? Do you want someone that, and so they could, it wasn't just writing a name down of who they wanted as a, as a companion. It's what type of person, what do you need in your life? Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, so good. And as an, I would imagine you can't fulfill all of those requests to the T, but at least as you sit down as a presidency, now you have a general idea of where to go or half the work's already done by, People well, that's volunteering or whatever. And in doing that, you know, when you talk about doing things different and people raise their eyebrows, that's one where I have come, people come and say, well, you know, the, the presidency should be using inspiration to decide what the companionships are. You know, you're, you're, how are you letting just everybody pick? And you know, so I've, I've had that. And I've been a firm believer that I think the Lord expects me to, to garner all the knowledge I can before I bring it to him. And I see that as a responsibility, not the, uh, kind of putting off my responsibility yeah. that I'm fulfilling it by going out there and saying, okay, let me get all the information I can about what's going on in my quorum. And we've said that, you know, just because you write someone's name down doesn't mean you're necessarily going to get them. Right. Good chance you're going to. Yeah. But, uh, but we, we garner all that information and then take it to the Lord and say, okay, here's what we've come up with. Is this, you know, so we've done our part. We've done everything that we can. We're not expecting the Lord to, okay, inspire me, Lord, but I've done nothing to get to know the members of my quorum. Right. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So powerful. I love it. Um, anything else we were missing? I mean, I'm sure. Well, it's been, I mean, things with the, the ministering, I mean, we, cause that's, a, that's what it is. A big thing in our quorum is that there is zero guilt when there is no guilt in mm -hmm. ministering. So if you're feeling guilty or you're feeling you come to me and let's figure out how to facilitate that. Yeah. And we've got people in our quorum now that they, they minister to each other because they both playing the same video game and they oh, got yeah. their headsets on and they oh, play, nice. got their Xbox and, and their, and their ministering visit is shooting aliens together <laughs> and talking whether, you know, on their headsets with their, with their video oh, games. Man, and that's in, the way we, we live in a strange it. time. No, we? we really do, but there's so many ways to communicate. Yeah, I love and, that. and obviously then I'm not going to place a 20 year old with the 68 year old that can't play Halo. Um, yeah. We're going to, you know, put those, those two together. Now, but, but I also had younger guys say that they want a mentor. And so we put it with somebody that they feel that mentorship as opposed to a friendship. And so we try and mix that. And so that they don't feel, and there's no guilt associated with it. I mean, it was nice to change up everything. Cause I know I've personally felt guilt where, okay, I, I figure, okay, well, I'm going to get on the ball and start doing my, you know, then it was home teaching. Yeah. And then realize, Ooh, I've had them for eight months and now I'm going to show up and say, Hey, I'm your home teacher. And they're going to say, yeah, where have you been the last eight months of my life? And so then I can't go because well, it's been eight months. Now I just can't. Yeah. It's a and so I thought, okay, well, how do I eliminate that? So we've changed it up completely. Uh, but we also then had the, the, the companionships. I said, well, we've been doing this together for me and my companion for 15 years, with the same families. We'd really like to keep them. I'm not going to break yeah. something that's already fixed. Yeah. And so those, we, we keep them together. So yeah. it's not like I apply one principle across the board on ministering. I just looked at it and say, okay, how do I best help these brothers accomplish a good program? Yeah. Um, I think a lot of times in the way it's kind of most of the time I've been portrayed to me as a, as a ministering or a home teacher is the hammer. You don't get busy, work, 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 work. You know, if you're, if you're not ministering, if you're not home teaching, you're not a good priesthood holder. You're not a good member of the church. And so then I feel even less about myself, but right. when we've changed it all around that everything's new and nobody has excuses. And maybe in three months we revisit it and you have someone that falls into that category. Well, I didn't end up doing it for three months, but now I feel guilty again. Okay. Well, we'll change, you know, we'll facilitate that. We'll change it up so you can go to somebody new and not feel a guilt with it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, you know, not accomplish, accomplishes ministering, but accomplishes a little bit of self-reliance too in certain areas where, okay, I, I need help in life. And so I'm, I'm going to do this, not just to go fulfill a duty, but I need a friend. Yeah. Yep. 
Awesome. Mike, this has been uh, great. I hopefully inspiring and causes people to think. And I hope, I hope there's a few people that raise their eyebrows like this guy is a rogue and I, <laughs> we need to write his Bishop, but no, he's, he's in the up and up folks. I, I know it. So, um, last question I have for you is you reflect on your time as a leader, how has being a leader helped you become a better follower of Jesus Christ? Um, I'll tell you the biggest thing is, and I think the lesson that we all need as leaders is we're there to not get home teaching done or any of that sort of thing or responsibilities. We're there to love our core members. And that's the the greatest way that we can draw closer to our heavenly father and to Jesus Christ is by loving and learning how to do that. I mean, just one last story. Uh, I had the opportunity, I, I work on roofs and I was working on a roof. And that's one thing I kind of committed to in my life that I was always going to, if heavenly father ever put a name in my head that I would go and do something. A lot of times it's turned out awkward. Uh, but uh, in this case, I was up on a, a hot roof on a day and, and any excuse for me not to work is, is great inspiration. And so I started thinking about a lady in our ward, an older lady that had terminal cancer. And her name kept coming to my mind. And I thought I ought to go do something for her. And I thought, I might go take her some flowers. I could say anything to go get in the air conditioned car. And so I thought, well, I don't even know where you buy flowers. And I looked across the street from standing on this building and I could see a Costco and I thought, oh, they have good flowers and, and uh, not too expensive. And so I went over there and they had a dozen yellow roses for very cheap. I thought, well, for that price, I'm going to get two dozen yellow roses. And, and so I jumped in the car and headed to their, their house and, and I pulled up in the driveway and getting out of the car with, you know, here I am dressed all shabby and, and roofing clothes. And, and, uh, the husband's out in the field working in the, in the hay field, but close enough that he could yell to me. And I came walking up and then I thought, well, this is kind of weird. Cause here's a man pulling up in front of <laughs> yeah. the house with flowers for, <laughs> for, his, wife. for his wife. And, <laughs> and so he, he motioned to me to knock on the door. And so I knocked and knocked and knocked and, and nobody was coming to the door. And, and, uh, so I kind of looked back on the field and shrugged my shoulders and I could hear him yell, keep knocking. She's there. And so, uh, knock some more. And, and just as she was, just before she came to the door, I realized that I hadn't planned anything to say. I had no idea. I mean, I ended up standing there with flowers in my hand. And just then she opened up the door and I, and I, I was at a loss and, you know, had no pre-planned speech that I was going to give. And so all that came to mind was, um, these aren't for me. These are from heavenly father. And she opened the screen door and took them. And she had, uh, she, you know, she looked, didn't look great. She was in the last stages of cancer and had, didn't have hair and had a little hat that she'd quickly placed on her head, not to be embarrassed. And, and so she took him for me and I said that, and then she shut the door and I'm walking back to my car thinking that was the stupidest thing ever in the oh, world. Man. I just feel stupid. I really did. I just, you know, it's like, who says that? <laughs> and so I drove off and then, and that was it. And I, you know, maybe a little bit of guilt of just being a nerd. <laughs> and uh, then she called my wife a few days later and she said, can I tell you something? And uh, she said, sure. And she said, I apologize for kind of being rude to your husband, but or just short. She wasn't rude. She just, you know, yeah, quickly closed the door afterwards. And, and uh, so she said, uh, when I was younger, I had some real tough experiences in my life, one in particular. And she was, I really felt down. I'd never felt so bad in my life. And she said, I had a, she was young, young, young woman. And she said, I had a friend come to me in this, in this desperate situation I was in. And she said he had, um, he brought me one yellow rose. And he said, every time you see, he gave it to her and said, every time you see a yellow rose, I want you to know that you're loved. Mm. And she said, I was on my knees praying. And she said, in my prayer, I was expressing to Heavenly Father that I've never felt so alone. I've never felt so abandoned in my greatest time of need. And she said, I was, and she was criticizing the Lord because I'm in the middle of cancer. I'm dying of cancer. And uh, I've never felt less of the spirit and less alone and don't feel loved whatsoever. And it was right then when she was doing that, that I knocked on the door. Wow. And then when she came to the door and I made my statement that at the time I thought was stupid saying, these aren't for me. These are from heavenly father, two dozen yellow roses that she was instructed as a young girl that every time she saw those just to know that she was loved. And, uh, you know, just struck home to me is that that's the greatest thing that we can do for a leader is as a leader is to let those that we serve know that they're loved by heavenly father. You know, don't let make them, let them feel guilt. Make them feel inspired. Let them know that they're a child of God. Let them know that they are loved by Heavenly Father because He really does. 
love us, want the best for us. And, uh, you know, I think it was a month later, I walked into her funeral and the, the entire chapel was covered in yellow roses. And it's just a testimony to me that Heavenly Father is aware of us, but as a leader, if you want to be an effective leader, have people on your mind. And the minute that those names come to your mind, act on that. And uh, a lot of times you might feel stupid, just like I did. But uh, if you want to be an effective leader and to feel the love of Christ, is to act on those promptings that we have. And that concludes this How I Lead interview. I hope you enjoyed it. And uh, I would ask you, could you take a minute and drop this link in an email, on social media, in a text, wherever it makes the most sense, and share it with somebody who could relate to this this experience. And this is how we how we develop as leaders, just hearing what the other guy's doing, trying some things out, testing, adjusting for your area. And uh, that's that's where great leadership's discovered, right? So we would love to have you uh, share this with uh, somebody in this calling or a related calling, and that would be great. And also, if you know somebody, uh, any type of leader, who would be a fantastic guest on the How I Lead segment, uh, reach out to us. Go to leadingsaints.org contact. Maybe send this in individual an email letting them know that you're going to be suggesting their name for this interview. We'll reach out to them. And... Uh, see if we can line them up. So again, go to leadingsaints.org slash contact, and there you can submit all the information and let us know. And maybe they will be on a future How I Lead segment on the Leading Saints podcast. And remember, go to leadingsaints.org slash 14 to access our full Liberating Saints virtual library. It came as a result of the position of leadership which was imposed upon us by the God of heaven who brought forth a restoration of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when the declaration was made concerning the own and only true and living church upon the face of the earth, we were immediately put in a position of loneliness. The loneliness of leadership from which we cannot shrink nor run away, and to which we must face up with boldness and courage and ability.